Welcome to ADHD Crash Course. Today we're going to talk about working memory, what it is, why it matters for people with ADHD, what you can do if you struggle in this area. First, let's define what is working memory. Working memory is like your shortest term memory. It is the information you're holding in your head in order to do something else. So an example of this would be following a recipe. If you're making food and you're trying to follow a recipe, and let's say there's eight steps in this recipe, it's helpful if you can hold a couple of those steps in your mind at the same time so you can complete without having to go and reference for every single step, right? Even for something like a box mix, to be able to not have to pull the box out of the trash 10 times because you need to check a step that you forgot. It's the kind of memory we need just to operate. That's why I like cooking more than baking. Baking, you really have to remember and follow the instructions and it's kind of torturous for me. Cooking, you can ad lib and substitute and you know, there's a little bit more forgiveness in cooking versus baking. But of course, it's not the only place that we use working memory. We use this all day long. Somebody introduces themselves at a party and you being able to hold that person's name in your head long enough to introduce them to somebody else is working memory. You being able to remember their name two weeks later is not working memory. We're talking about really in the moment retention of information. It's like a temporary holding place. Being able to manipulate numbers in your head, you know, even on kind of a basic level leans on working memory. Can you hold this, this number in your head in order to multiply two numbers together or add two numbers together. Can you remember multiple step directions? When I was a kid, I would drive my mother nuts because she would send me to go get something with maybe four or five steps and invariably I would not be able to find the thing. It might be like, oh, go get my checkbook. It's in my room. Go to the left, next to the bed, by the smaller dresser in the second drawer. You'll find my checkbook. I would go in the room and be like, enter the room and say, okay, go to the left. That's all I got. I don't, I did not hold the other steps. My mom had to get her own checkbook because I didn't hold all that information in my working memory in order to be able to complete a many-step task. Now, one thing I want to point out here is that decreased attention can look like a working memory problem and vice versa. If I never attended to what my mom said in the first place, which is certainly possible as well, and never got the information to hold in my working memory, that might look very much like not being able to hold the information. Sometimes it's hard to tease that out. But it is two separate issues and when we want to support these things we might do really different things if it's attention regulation versus working memory and as long as we're talking about what working memory is and isn't i wanted to mention one thing is used a lot within the adhd community is referring to problems with working memory as having problems with object permanence if you are listening to this podcast, you are super unlikely to be having problems with object permanence because this is a developmental milestone that babies reach between the ages of like six months and, and a year and a half or two years. Object permanence refers to you understanding, knowing, internalizing that just because something is out of sight doesn't mean it stops existing, right? If I am tearing around my house looking for my car keys and have no idea where I put them and can't remember that, it is, it's not that I, they have ceased to exist. I know they exist. I just can't find them because I don't remember where I put them. A couple years ago, we ran out of mustard. <laughs> Something We never run out of mustard. And we ran out of mustard. 
and I bought mustard the next five times. I went to the grocery store I, because I kept remembering, hey, we ran out of mustard and forgetting that I purchased it. If I was at my house looking at my five mustards and you closed the cabinet door, I would know that they still existed behind that cabinet door. Would I remember that I bought them tomorrow or the next day? Maybe not. I think that that term is so widely used right now, this object permanence term that people will understand what you're talking about if you refer to it as object permanence, but just for your own personal knowledge, you have object permanence unless you're a baby. So what do we do with this? What do we do if we know this is a hard area for us, that working memory is a hard area for us and we want to support ourselves in the area of working memory? I'm going to do kind of a wide lens and then get to more specific strategies. So my wide lens suggestion or strategy is to plan for the version of you who forgets. And let me explain what I mean by that. If you have a hard time with memory, it doesn't mean that you forget everything. Sometimes you're going to remember the things you need to remember. It's just that you can't always count on it. And we falsely believe and people around us falsely believe that if something's important enough, we're going to remember it. And unfortunately, that's just not the way it works. And if you want to be able to count on yourself and have less chaos and a little more predictable outcomes, you have to plan for the version of yourself who will forget. Even though it feels sometimes like you're adding extra steps and sometimes you are adding extra steps. Sometimes you didn't need it but you still had to plan for it. And so this can be hard for us to accept that I need to plan to forget. But what happens is that we we don't want to do that. We don't want to accept that. And so we just roll the dice again. And maybe today I remember, maybe today I don't remember, but it creates a lot of frustrating situations for us. So one of the biggest parts of supporting working memory is kind of the acceptance that this is a struggle and not something that's super predictable. And therefore something that it really benefits us to have a plan for how to accommodate for this. So what does that plan look like? It has a couple parts. The first part, most of us know we need this part, is to find some way to catch the information that was supposed to be being caught by our brain. Long before I knew I had ADHD, I instinctively knew if I was on the phone trying to listen to some really important details, I needed to catch these, that my brain wasn't gonna hold them. And so I would grab anything, receipt, back of an envelope, bill, and I would use that to catch the information. I would use that in place of my brain holding this information, which is good, a good first step. You can use the back of bills, you can use envelopes. The problem is not that I wrote it on the envelope, the problem was that I didn't have the next step, which was how am I gonna take this information I caught and held on the envelope and retrieve it so I can actually use it. How am I going to take this information and then go put it on a to-do list or a calendar or somewhere else where I am going to be able to track this information or use it in some way? And that's what a lot of times we're missing when we're working with these strategies. We know we need to catch the information, but we don't necessarily have a systematic way to go back and get it. Just like there's no one way that you need to catch the information, there's no one way you need to retrieve it. It depends on what your information is and what you need to do with it. If the information was your doctor's appointment that you knew you weren't gonna remember and you jotted it down, but you never transferred that to your calendar, you might miss that appointment. If the information was your next steps for dealing with some insurance snafu, you might not remember those steps. You might have to have that same conversation with an insurance agent again a month from now. So although this might look different between different people, different information, we're generally going to have two parts of this strategy, catching the information, holding that information, and retrieving it, finding some way, whether it's through a habit 
or through a visual reminder to retrieve that information and to put it where it needs to go for us to use it. So what this first strategy is doing is really decreasing our memory load. It's decreasing our memory demand and it's a a classic accommodation. We can look at some other strategies that have to do with, hey, can we make this information stick more? Can we look at, you know, maybe chunking this information to even smaller pieces? Like if you have eight steps, maybe you want to be just looking at two or three and working on just getting smaller bite-sized pieces of information that you can hold a little easier. You can also look at different sensory modalities when you're trying to take in information. Oftentimes we're getting a lot of auditory input. Working on your visualization skills can be helpful. If you have a visual image of something you're trying to remember, now you have more than one sensory mode to access it. Visual can be a very powerful one, but not just visual. You know, when we're looking at all kinds of memory, the more sensory input you get, the better, even for your shortest term memory. So if I am trying to remember something, I might be doodling at the same time that I'm listening in order to not just have a visual representation of, okay, this is what I need to remember, but also to be getting that touch proprioceptive kind of kinesthetic feedback that helps me remember as well. So think about really hitting multiple senses when you're trying to remember. Find other, not just your your auditory to tap into, but make things more visual, make things more touch, add other senses and see if that can help you retain more for your short-term memory. So I've been talking about strategies that we can use to help us. And I wanted to end the episode by kind of balancing that out as we often need to when we're working with our brains. The working memory can be tough for us. There's things we can do. And then we also, in addition to doing those things, want to adjust our expectations. You know, for me, that means getting my family on board with the fact that this is hard for me and if there's something that really matters to them that they're asking me to do that they're more of a part in making sure that information is held. Like that might mean texting the information to me, that might be following up with information, but you know, we are working together. And also that for me, that means that I'm going to be strategic about where I spend my energy when working on this. So I might develop a system around remembering my appointments, but I might be okay with the fact that I have a cup of coffee in the microwave almost any time you open my microwave. There's one forgotten in there because it was out of sight and out of mind. I've microwaved it because I wanted a cup and then I immediately forgot about it. I had a sitter that would come when my kids were young and she said, it, it is the funniest thing. Whenever I open the microwave, there's a cup of coffee there. And I don't think you ever finish a cup, which I didn't, especially at that time. Right. But I'm okay with that. That is, you know, a difference that I can have and be and live with. The consequences are not great. So like always, we are balancing this empowering approach of using strategies, learning our brains, working with them with compassion for this might look a little different and that's okay too. So good luck. If you are somebody who struggles with working memory, you are definitely not alone. I am there with you. And if you have some good strategies that have worked for you, don't hesitate to reach out. Let me know. I can even add them to this episode. Um, if you send them to me and add more to this, because I think this is an important topic for all of us. So thanks for joining me this week and I will see you next time.